Well, good evening. Uh, it's great to see you. My name is John. I'm one of the leaders here at King's, and it is really great to see you. I can't see you all that well because I've got light shining in my eyes, but it is great to see all of you here uh, at our Hazemere site. Thank you so much for coming this evening. Um, and I have to say, just before I, I continue talking, is that everything that you've seen tonight, all the singing, all the, the, the performing, the music, the sound, the lights, the videos, the kids, they're all people from here. They're all people from this church, and I think they've just done an outstanding, outstanding job. So can we just... Yeah. Now, as you'll have picked up in that song and also all the way through, the theme we've kind of had for this year's Carols at King's is adore, okay? Not, not adore like that, adore. Come, let us adore him. And uh, that got me thinking about, well, you know, what, what are some of the things that we really adore and some of the things we really don't adore as well, uh, particularly in the context of Christmas. Uh, I think there are certain things that divide opinion somewhat. So uh, if you'll allow me, I'm just going to do a little bit of research a kind of clapometer, if you like, for the British people. Uh, but do feel free also, uh, if you're not British or if you're British with a bit of extroversion, um, to make any appropriate noises to express your liking or your loathing of uh, these particular things. So, uh, first thing that I think divides opinion is Christmas shopping. Christmas shopping. Okay, so... Uh, we need to do this in an orderly way. So could we, if you love Christmas shopping, could you indicate that now? <laughs> Fairly poorly supported. Uh, if you hate Christmas shopping, can you just let me hear? <laughs> uh, to be honest, I thought it would be a bit more split than that, but it's not. You know, I don't like Christmas, I, well, no, I don't like shopping, generally. Um, the thought of it kind of, it has this way of sapping every bit of energy from my body. And I just go all kind of limp. Um, I really don't like it. See these shoes? Uh, they look shiny and new, don't they? It's because they are. Uh, I got these this week because I thought I really should wear a pair of shoes to be up here for an event like this. Um, but for ne- it's been nearly a year that I haven't had any shoes. Uh, I've been wearing trainers for nearly a year, seriously, um, because the thought of my previous pair of shoes, the, 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 my one pair of shoes that I wore for everything, were just battered. They were worn to death, holes in the soles, wet feet, the lot. But the thought of actually going and having to try and choose shoes was too much for me, and I just kept putting it off. I had a three-month sabbatical from May to July. It was on my to-do list to get some shoes. Couldn't do it. Didn't have the motivation. So I hope you, really, I hope you feel privileged, for one. And, um, but I'm not a fan of shopping. Okay, next thing that divides opinion. Christmas music. So let me know if you love Christmas music. Okay, and if you really can't stand Christmas music. Oh, okay. Okay, interesting, interesting. I used to really like Christmas music until I had children who would play the same song on repeat. Wish it could be Christmas every day. No, I don't. Uh, in October. And so it's my yearly mission now to ban Christmas music until December. I, I'm often unsuccessful in that, though. Uh, so that's Christmas music. Next thing, which uh, I think this is the real opinion divider, although why this divides opinion, I have no idea. But 
Okay. I think I've made it obvious where I stand on this. Let me know if you love Brussels sprouts. What is wrong with you people? Okay. Let me know if you hate Brussels sprouts. Oh, yes! Okay, fantastic. I've got some support. Uh, Brussels sprouts. So, every year, we, we eat lunch during the day with my side of the family, um, and my contribution to that meal is the gravy. Uh, I, no. Because this isn't just any gravy. It's not, I'm not talking about Bisto. This is gravy that is made with love, care, diligence, a little bit of magic. It's special gravy, and it's really what makes the meal great. You know it's true. Um, And so imagine my dismay when I see people pouring this nectar over some Brussels sprouts and contaminating the gravy. You know, at best it's disappointing, and at worst it's utterly offensive. You see, people who are pro-Brussels sprouts, they'll often say something like, uh, but no, but they're lovely. If you cook them up with some bacon and some garlic, you know, it says a lot if you have to cover the flavour <laughs> with bacon and garlic. And you know what? Just cook me some bacon and I'll be happy. In fact, even better, wrap some sausages in bacon and cook them. Sorry to any vegetarians or vegans. Not, not that sorry, actually. <laughs> but fun fact about Brussels sprouts Brussels sprouts contain cyanide. Did you know that? They do. Brussels sprouts contain cyanide. That's why you should stay away from them. They're trying to kill you. So stay away from Brussels sprouts. Right, final one. Um, Oh, uh, cats. Now, this has nothing to do with Christmas at all. I just want to see what kind of a room we have here. What kind of people we have in here this evening. So let me know if you love cats. Okay, and if you really hate cats... Good. I feel, I feel kind of safe. Um, I'm not a cat person. Uh, basically, I think cats are trying to take over the world. They're planning to take over the world and to, to make humans live a life of servitude. This is what I think of when I see cats. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not a huge cat fan. But hey, that is just my opinion. Okay, And that's what all of this stuff is. That's the point. All of this stuff is about opinions. Subjective opinions of things you love and things that you hate and things that you're just indifferent about. And you know, to say I, that Brussels sprouts are lovely or that Brussels sprouts are disgusting is not actually a statement of fact. It's a statement of opinion. There's no articulation of a universal truth there. It's just how I feel about Brussels sprouts. But, but they are disgusting. Um, but what is it that you adore? What, is, what do you adore? Because that actually carries a greater meaning. There's a greater weight to that than just simply, I really like this or I love that. Because the word adore implies actually a sense of worship. It, there's a sense of giving yourself, giving everything to a thing or to a person. The song we just heard had that line, it, let all that is within us adore. All that is within us. There's this pouring out, there's this giving of yourself That is implied in the word adore. It's a lot more than having a strong liking for something. And therefore, it has to be built on something stronger. It's got to be built on a firmer foundation than just subjective opinion. To be able to say, I adore you, or I adore that. 
Now, everybody, every human being adores something or someone, even if that someone is themselves, of course. Every person, every human worships something. We all do. We all give ourselves to something or someone. We all find our meaning in life from something or someone, whether that's your partner, your husband, your wife, your family, your children, uh, or maybe it's your career, your job. That's where you give yourself. That's where you find your sense of meaning in life. Or it's sports teams, or it's uh, having status, having money, having power, or uh, achievements, whatever it might be. We all worship something. There are lots of different foundations that people build their lives on. Things that we adore, things that we give ourselves to. In which case, to use the word adore at Christmas might seem very strange to some. To put so much emphasis and worship On a baby, I mean, out of the billions of babies that have been born in history, this particular baby, born into poverty, in scandalous circumstances in that day, in some backwater in the Middle East more than 2,000 years ago, I mean, really, what is that about? It only makes sense to do that if everything that the Bible says about that particular baby is true. If it's not true, well, then Christmas is meaningless, and what are we even doing here? But if it is true, it changes everything. It really does change everything. It gives every person a decision to make, a choice to make about who this baby is. And to adore him, to worship him, if this is true, becomes something that's not just subjective, but it, 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 it's not just, I really quite like something Jesus said and so I worship him. It's I worship him in response to the truth of who he is and what he has done. It actually, if it's true, becomes the most natural thing that we as human beings can do, the thing that we were made for, where we find fulfillment. So it's a pivotal question. It's an absolutely pivotal question for every person in the world. Is it true? Is it true? And it was C.S. Lewis who said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. It's utterly irrelevant. And there might be some of you here who think that. And if it's true, it is of infinite importance. But the one thing it cannot be is moderately important. So why is it so important? Well, because, again, if it is true that Jesus really is who he claimed he was, that he really is God himself, that he entered this world, he entered into the darkness and the suffering of this world along with us, and that he went on to do what the Bible says he did, that he died in our place uh, in order to make a way for us to have peace with God, A way for us to get back to God. If that's true, if the gospel is true and you accept it as true, what happens is that your center of gravity shifts. And it shifts away from yourself and onto somebody who is infinitely more reliable than yourself. And the effect of that, or one of the effects of that, is that when something in life happens, when something hits, that makes you realize that you're not invincible, whether that's losing a job or a health scare, a health issue, or the death of a loved one, or a breakdown in relationship, or all sorts of terrible, terrible things that happen to us in our lives, whatever it might be, while that's something that shakes you up, the fundamental foundation of your life is not shaken. Because your adoration and your worship is focused on God, then you stand on a firm and sure foundation of a God who doesn't change, who loves you perfectly and eternally, And there is nothing that can ever change that, whatever happens in your life. And so you can know peace, you can know joy, you can know security, you can know hope in every circumstance of life, even the very worst 
circumstances. That's why this is important. Now, I'm very aware, of course, that for some, this is just a fairy tale. You know, you might think I'm utterly deluded for believing this, what I believe. I'm stupid for believing it. It's just a fairy tale. It's just a children's story. Although I would say that if I was, if I was making up a children's story or writing, trying to write a story that I, would be celebrated for thousands of years, I don't think I'd write it like this one with an illegitimate baby born in a feeding trough and a king who slaughters all the boys aged two and under in Bethlehem and this child who grows up only to be crucified, killed in an agonizing way on a Roman cross. I don't think I'd write my children's story like that. There doesn't seem to be very much to celebrate about that story if the claims of the Bible are not true. Nobody would make that kind of a story up. But also... To claim that this is a fairy tale, you do have to ignore an awful lot of scholarship and historical research and uh, analysis and scrutiny and textual criticism and all the rest that would absolutely affirm the authenticity and the accuracy and the historicity of the New Testament documents about Jesus. Not just Christian historians, atheist historians, basically all historians. Or you might have more of a scientific objection, not a not a historical one. But then you've got to understand not all scientists are atheists. You've got to ignore many, many prominent scientists who would absolutely affirm scientific reasoning and methods, but would also claim a personal faith in the God of the Bible and would see absolutely no contradiction in doing that. In fact, who would say it's the scientific evidence that led them to that place. And so what I'm trying to say is you can't just claim that this is a fairy tale. Well, not with any credibility anyway. Because there's just too much evidence you have to ignore and push to the side and pretend it's not there in order to do that. But, and this is really important, I do believe that this is a truth that is self-authenticating. Because you can know the person himself for yourself. You can know peace with God for yourself. That's what I and many, many people in here this evening have encountered. And it really does change everything. It changes your life. It it does shift your center of gravity. It changes the foundation upon which your life is built. And so, as I do every year, I want to extend an invitation to those of you who are here this evening who don't believe this or who are undecided about it. I want to invite you to come and explore it. Come and check it out for yourself. Because I just think it's too important not to. There's too much at stake. The claims that are made are too big to just brush this under the carpet and not investigate it properly and come to a a well-thought-through conclusion. And so there's two ways that, um, that I'd encourage you to, to do that, or I'd invite you to do that. One is Alpha. So next term, we'll be running an Alpha course down at our town centre site. And um, you've got all the information on the flyers that you have on your seats. You can come to Alpha. You can ask any questions you like. Uh, explore any points of view on uh, questions, key questions to do with the Christian faith. And there's no pressure. There's no, there's no judgment. You just come and explore. And you get a free meal every week as well, and um, you'll be made to feel very, very welcome. So do consider Alpha. And the other thing I'd invite you to do is to come on a Sunday morning. In fact, I'd invite you to come on a few Sunday mornings, just to get a real feel for what this is really about. And so on a typical Sunday, we have three morning meetings, two in two locations. We have a 9.30 meeting and an 11.30 meeting down at our town centre site, but not next Sunday, because we're going to be doing this there three times next Sunday. But we have a 10.30 meeting here, and we will be here next Sunday and every Sunday. 10.30 here in Hazelmere. And I'll just invite you to come. You'd be so welcome. You really would be very welcome. And again, there'd be no pressure. There'd be no judgment. Just come. 
Come and get a feel for it. Come and, come and see the reality of Jesus in people's lives. A bunch of very ordinary people of all ages, of all different backgrounds, uh, lots of different nationalities, all of whom have been profoundly affected by the truth of the gospel and the power and the love of Jesus and the peace that he brings and that he brought at that first Christmas. So come and check this out for yourself. You know, you have absolutely nothing to lose. But potentially, if it's true, you have everything to gain. So I'm going to ask the band to, to make their way back up now as we get ourselves ready for singing our, our last carol coming up. And as they do that, let me finish by wishing you all a really, really great Christmas. May it be the best Christmas you've ever had. A Brussels sprout-free Christmas, hopefully. But I do pray that your Christmas will be filled with the love and the joy and the peace of God. Thank you very much.